When we started uh, Lightpoint Church over three years ago, uh, one of the things that, that we set out to do was one of the, the things that drive us is we wanted to be a light that, uh, sh- that shine, a church that shined the light of Jesus into a dark and hurting world. And I didn't know exactly um, how that would come about. I just knew what it looked like. I knew that God would bring about people that had a ministry or that had a passion to uh, be about what Jesus was about, which was bringing hope to the lost, which was bringing people out of darkness into the light. And I know he was doing it in my life because of the mental health stuff that I was, uh, was um, involved in as far as as a counselor. And so there were so many other areas that, that we kind of were looking at in all this. And then God, a few years about within this past year, uh, brought a couple into our church that is on the front lines of shining the light of Jesus into a dark and hurting world. And today I, I'm proud and, and honored that uh, Brooke and Andy are going to get to come up. You guys come on up. And they're going to get to share a little bit about their story. Um, I've asked them to come up and, and share a little bit about their story, but also about their ministry. And it's here's what I, we're in Ephesians today, and we'll get there. Uh, but as we do that, um, I want us to understand that God has given each of us a gift, um, a passion, and something that drives us, and that helps us see where he wants us and allows us to minister into a dark and hurting world. So, Andy, I know you were going to start off today with sharing a little bit about your calling, a little bit about where you're at, and so why don't you kick us off, man? Okay, well, that'd be great, and before we say anything, um, we, Brooke and I, really want to um, state our Great, great thanks towards this church. We've been made so welcome. Uh, we got here in September, um, and we we bounced around a little bit here, and that's a totally different story that we won't get into since we've been in Cincinnati. We got here eight years ago. But this church has been so welcoming, and I just love that there, there aren't walls between people. I mean, there's people you're going to know better than others, but I don't sense there's any in or out crowd or anything, and uh, I wish more churches could get on that program and maybe some are maybe there's just a realization that Jesus is uh, coming soon and that we better set down the walls within our church we need to love and pray each other possibly more than we have and not that Brooke and I have been perfect in that regard at all so what Brooke and I do is we have a heart to reach the homosexual community for Jesus Christ Uh, I got the call quite some time ago and I would say that um A good description is our heart is to reach an unreached people group. Uh, Generally speaking, they've given up on the church, who have been hurt by many people, including Christians. Many are quite angry at God. And we we look to reach them one soul at a time. We're not fighting the culture war whatsoever, in spite of what you might see on the news and so on. You might want to look at Isaiah 55, 5, 55, 5, three fives in there for a good verse on that. Um, though we, we did trial and error for a long time, and, and certainly the Lord was always using us, um, understanding of the approach we have now, which we concluded is the best approach, came, started coming about 10 years ago uh, when Brooke and I were just dating even. And we met at my house, and we had prayer meetings, often joined by other people on a monthly basis for this community, sometimes loved ones uh, in the lifestyle, but it was really broader than that as well. Um, and uh, what we, the Lord ultimately showed us over a period of years is that we should meet the gay community on their turf at gay pride parades. And we wear Christian t-shirts to show who we represent 
um, we represent Jesus Christ as described in the Bible, but what we do is we hug them. Uh, we offer prayer, and we take them, we think, to the throne of grace, possibly without their realizing it. And the cool thing is God has begun to put in the heart of churches, leadership, and other people to start joining us. It was pretty much just broken me, you know, 10 years ago, and he started dropping people, and now we have more formal outreaches. And I want to read uh, what 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 says, and this is a great verse on, of, of what we hope our heart is. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 19, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespass to them, and have committed to us the word of reconciliation. So we do the gay pride parades, and um, we, we've done quite a few since we've known each other. But we continue to pray. In fact, we have a conference call uh, pretty much every Sunday, and if any of you, we don't know, need to know the reason why, ever want to join us, let us know, we'll give you the call-in number. We do that pretty much every Sunday. We happen to be doing it this Sunday at 7 o'clock, so if you want to come up to us even or some future Sunday, you'd be more than welcome to join us. Uh, we uh, Facebook ministry that's not as active right now, but that may ramp up again. We do some one-on-one -on -one ministry. There is a man who has come out of the transgender lifestyle who I minister to. We often talk and pray by phone. Uh, we do get some speaking engagements, which this would maybe be one, um, but we also do in non-church settings. And then speaking of churches, we help when asked. Some, it, it usually isn't an opportunity like this. This is going above and beyond, Pastor. Thanks so much. And we really appreciate Pastor Chad's heart. Uh, we can see that uh, th that wasn't just uh, promotional material that he was speaking about the heart of Lightpoint before he called us up. So we, hope ch we help churches, if asked, what our experiences is. And we think the church is, is kind of beginning to understand that this is a great a heart of people who have, who have been hurt by a lot. And they've done plenty to sabotage themselves, but so haven't we in our issues. And um, it's just an honor, and it makes a difference. And we know that some of you knew events we were doing in June, and we really appreciate your prayers for them. Thanks, Andy. So, Brooke, I know you love this part of this, your ministry. <laughs> I'm so proud of you for coming up here. And I'm honored you're up here. And as a church, we love you. And we love that the fact that you guys are willing to go into dark places. Because let's just be honest, they're trapped by a lie. And you guys are on the front line of that. And if the least we could do is be supportive and pray for you, that's the least we can do. But to allow you to share your story, which I, I can't wait for them to hear. So would you share a little bit about your story with us today? Thank you so much, Pastor Chad. And um, I, I actually had a lot of tears when he asked us because it's been a long, painful road. And, you know, I have to share what Jesus has done inside of me because I, I just can't help it, you know. I can't help but tell about our Jesus, you know, how gentle he is and how he met me in my sin. And he didn't condemn me. He just met me right where I was. Um, I was living as a lesbian. And uh, my girlfriend and I had um, 
moved to Hollywood uh, to pursue her uh, dream of becoming rich and famous. And, um, and so I thought, I thought I had arrived. I thought that's what my life would be. And my family was praying for us. And um, one of the things that we did do, um, my girlfriend and I, um, was we used to try to further the gay agenda. And when we did, we would go to gay pride parades. And at the gay pride parades, we would be met by, quote unquote, the church, um, where people would scream at us and say, you're going to hell. God hates you, you faggot. You're an abomination. And when that was happening, I knew in my heart that that wasn't the Lord that I used to know. I had grown up in the church. I had asked Jesus into my heart as a little girl. Um, but what happened to me with my story was I turned away from the Lord because I experienced sexual abuse as a child. And when I asked the Lord to stop that from happening to me, it didn't stop. And so I just turned on the Lord and I went my own way. But that's what God does is he comes and he rescues us. And he meets us right where we're at, in our own sin, in our own rebellion. And my girlfriend and I were coming out of a club in Hollywood. We'd, we were already into crystal meth at this time. I had shaved my head. You know, I was a punk lesbian. And um, we came to the 7-Eleven to get some cigarettes. And outside of the 7-Eleven, there was a, a man sitting on the ground. And he had long, blonde, filthy hair. And he had his knees up, and he was reading a note. And he was crying. And so as we were walking by, we, we happened to notice him. And, uh, you know, you don't see a man crying every day. So we stopped and said, What's, what are you crying about? And he handed us the note, and I looked at this note. It was, it was a handwritten note, probably written by a Christian, a Christian. And at the bottom of the note, there was a little golden angel pin. And I handed it back to him. My girlfriend went into the um, store. She, she offered to buy him another bottle of vodka. So she left me standing out there with him. And when my eyes looked in this man's eyes, all I noticed, it was like I was looking into Jesus' eyes. And all I felt from these eyes, full of tears, was love. And I felt the presence of the Lord just come and surround me. And it was like this angry person that I was, this rebellious person that I was, like this love just penetrated my walls. 
And in my heart, I just, as I was looking into this man's eyes, I, I knew it was the spirit of the Lord that I was feeling. And I just prayed a prayer. I said, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. And I surrendered to the Lord. And the Lord eventually brought me to a place where I had to make a choice between Jesus or my girlfriend. And it was the hardest choice I ever made in my life because my girlfriend was my God. She was everything I lived for. She, had, she was everything I had left my family for. Everything I had been living for was my girlfriend. I loved her with all my heart. And now the Lord was asking me to make a choice between her and him. And I can say that I chose Jesus. And um, so through being met right where I was in my sin, I was met with grace, but I was also met with truth. When the Lord met me there, it was like I was able to make a decision in that moment with that grace and, and so Andy and I, through praying for the gay community, this is, you know, you can't reach a whole people group. You can only reach people one person at a time. And we just try and meet them, just like the homeless man met me. We just try and meet them right where they're at without condemning them, but giving them grace. We're also, we have some truth to to go with that grace. The truth is they have to turn from their sins. Every one of us has to turn from our sins. And so that's the ministry we have. And we are incredibly received by the gay community. You would not believe it. We stand in a long line and we hold up our signs, say free hugs, need prayers. They mob us, mob, like we, hug and when we hug them we say I love you Jesus loves you I love you Jesus loves you can we pray for you they say yes and you know what the Lord works with our will and he meets that he through us he through us is hugging them saying I love you be reconciled to God come back to Christ and so that's what we're doing. Um, we've, we've done it for four years in Florida. And um, we've been able to, at this point, um, hand the ministry uh, of this over to a church. And the, they have taken it up. This year, I didn't go on the streets with them. I stayed back with the prayer team. There were tons of people that came out just to go hug people in the name of Jesus. And they came back beaming, just unbelievable. They were, they were just like, I want to go again next year. That was amazing. And so we just, this church has just been amazing for us. So we just thank you for listening and thank you for letting us share.
Don't, hey, wait, 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 wait. Don't go anywhere. John, you know I'm going to call you up. You too, Dale. Come over here. Where'd he go? He was running out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I love the fact that when you guys said one life at a time, and it was funny, years or about two or three years ago, I was asked, Chad, what's your big God vision for Light Point Church? And I remember saying one life at a time, one family at a time. And to me, I love the fact that that's what you guys are about. And so we just want to take some time. Um, if you, as a church family, if y'all would stand with us right now, just in support of them in honor of what God's doing um, and praying alongside us. Dale, would you pray for them? You give us the passion, but passion dies without compassion. Passion is each other, and it starts and it comes from you. Lead us with your light. Serve you in that capacity. We ask, again, your blessings on this ministry. Thank you for the blessings that they've sharing with us today. We ask that you continue to walk beside them, Father, and God. Life that they need and in the arms of God. We ask all these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's clap for him. Thank you, guys. Um, just so you know, if you want a little bit more about information about uh, Brooke's story, and you, there she has a real in-depth video on, on a website. Um, and then she also has a, a few things that, uh, that, that on her website that can guide a little bit more. But here's, uh, there's a card right as you walk out on the info table right there. If you want to grab that on your way out, you can get that. And, uh, and if, as always, if you have any questions, feel free to go up to Brooke and Andy, and they'll be able to give you more info as far as what they do. Um, so we're, we're th so grateful that you guys took some time to share with us today. Um, if you would, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, um, and we're going to get started in, in God's Word today. Ephesians 4, starting in 7, it reads this. Ephesians 4, 7. But grace was given to each one of, of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he laid a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We've been walking through Ephesians as a church, gaining a better understanding about God's design for our life, God's design for the church. And, and so we get to the point where we've transitioned a little bit last week leading into this week. And last week we talked about unity and what it means to, to be about unity. And we, we said this one thing that really stuck with me, and I don't know about you, but the one thing that we said is there's always one more thing about somebody's life that we don't know that, can, that, that leads to the way they behave or the way they act. And so when we keep that in mind with people that we are interacting is there's always that one more thing that we don't know about their life. Maybe that will help us meet them more with compassion. And maybe that will be the thing that allows us to reach them one-on-one and meet them right where they're at, not expecting them to change anything not at the moment, not expecting them to do anything but respond to what Jesus is doing in their lives. And so we get to this point where we get, Paul continues to write to this church and he continues to encourage us. And, and here we, we get to this point where we learn uh, something very valuable for the church. One of the things that I love about our church, flat out love, and there's many, but one of the things that I love about our church is that the weight of this church is not solely rested on one individual. It's not solely rested on one person. What, it, what is amazing about our church is there are, there's a multiple group of people that show up at 8 o'clock, if not a little bit earlier, to help make this happen. It's not the same people every week, but it's people pitching in, showing up, seeing what needs to be done. When we get done at the end of the day, one of the things that happens is there's multiple people that stick around to make sure that this all gets taken down, put in a trailer, and hauled off. I love our church and the fact that we have in our children's and family ministry over here that, that our, our, our workers, our leaders, our teachers get to rotate in and out because what happens is, is people are stepping up and leading in a way. There's different people at the door as people walk in because why? People are stepping, they're stepping up and they're saying, you know what, I want to be a part of something. See, the weight of this, this place is not on one individual. Why? Because we're doing exactly what God has called us to do. And where he is leading and where you're stepping into that saying, I want to be a part of something. And see, we get to see this in this passage today, that there's certain ways that we are gifted. And so one of my favorite books of all times, and I read this a few years ago, <clears throat> um, it's, a, it's a book by Jim Putman, and it's Get, it's get in the Game. And the whole idea of this is that this is there's so many of us in, in life that we'll sit in the stands and we'll watch the game get played and we'll wonder and we'll, and we'll sit back, we could cheer, whatever. But there's this desire in us to start taking steps to get on that field and start playing, but we're so afraid to step onto the field to actually play the game. Now, the war walk with Jesus is no game, but the, the analogy, the illustration still fits. 
There's so many roles, there's so many things that need to be played, that done, that need to happen in order for the game to get played, for in order for things to happen, in order for people to see, to meet the lost, in order for the light of Jesus to be shined into a dark world. Yesterday, a group of guys and, and, and a couple gals showed up at one of our uh, church family members' house. And we spent about two to three hours over there just loving on these people, chopping down bushes and chopping down trees and, and all these other things that took place to make uh, what was an overgrown of, of weeds and all this stuff. And we were able to actually love on these people. And the, the amazing thing about it is, is I watched a church come together and I watched men that would just own a certain area and they'd go after it. And it was, it was spread out. It wasn't like one or two guys showed up to do this. It was a group of us that came together, and we just attacked this place. And it was amazing to see people doing their part, not sitting back waiting for something to happen. Today we get to read about how Paul speaks to this very piece of what it means of what we're supposed to do. And so I want to start with this. Paul has asked each of us to get in the game, per se. He's asked each of us to be a part of what what God's doing. And And the wonderful thing about this is he's not asking you to do what he's called me to do. He's asking you to do what he's called you to do. So this is not a comparison game. This is not, well, I wanna do that, or this is what so and so's doing. Maybe I should... He's given us each a specific piece, a specific gift that he wants us to utilize for his glory and his glory alone. And so we read this, and and as we get into this this piece today, I want um, us to understand a few things. And the first is this. When we talk about spiritual gifts today, I want us to, to, to go at it with this definition. Spiritual gifts are gracious endowments of believers by the Holy Spirit to enable them to perform service for the building of the church. A spiritual gift as an endowment given to the believer by the Spirit for the service to the Lord within the life of the church. And I started thinking about this word endowment, and I'll get there. The word we'll get to, but I started thinking about this endowment. People give endowments to universities, to hospitals. They give money towards something, an organization. Why? So that money is spent specifically for a purpose that they want. When someone gives an endowment to a school, it's either for a scholarship or for something, but they're giving a gift to this organization for the specific purpose that they want it used for. That organization is not allowed to take that endowment and use it for what they want. That endowment has a specific definition of purpose of what it was given for. Now let's get into this first verse. It's this. But grace, and this word grace is is charismata, and if we go to the Greek, charismata is another word for endowment. Now, I want us to understand this. When we think about grace, this is a gift that has been given to us. This is a gift, an endowment that has been given to us to be used for a specific purpose that that is determined by the giver, not by the one receiving There's a mandate on that. There's a piece that says, I'm going to give this to you, but I want it to be used for for a specific purpose. Now let's open this up a little bit more. But grace was given to each one of you, each one of us. 
And this particular word grace, we've already defined what it means. It is a gift and it is an endowment. It is something given to us to be used for a specific purpose. And it's been given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. The measure of Christ's gift. See, this is not according to me. This is not according to you. This is not according to what anybody else wants to deem appropriate or whatever it is. It is according to Christ and his gift that he's given. It's, it's on him how much he wants to give us. How much of a ministry he wants us to have. It's his to do with. It's his endowment that he's given to us. We don't put the parameters on. We don't define it. And so here's, if I could say anything, when I was in junior high, one of the things they used to have, and I don't know if they do this anymore, but in junior high, they used to have the lower level learners, right? Then they would have your, your, your regular learners. Then they would have um, your, your kind of upper level learners, but then they had this separate area. Y'all remember, they had this separate area, and they had their own quad, and they had their own classrooms, and there was a whole group. They were called the, the gifted Guess where I was never at? <laughs> I wasn't even allowed to walk by the room. I would, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they, the, so there was this piece that they were the gifted. They were the ones set apart to do amazing things, to learn more, to be challenged more, to, to experience more. They, they had the hands-on learning because the teachers were motivated because the kids wanted to be in the classroom, so they stepped it up a little bit to help them out a little bit more. And so that was the place you wanted to be, but you had to be gifted to get there. Hear me real quick, church. You're gifted. Not because I said so. Because we have a Savior that deems we're gifted. We have a, a, a Jesus that, 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 that says, you are gifted. I have given you something. Guys, we can all go into the special room. We can all be a part of that piece. And I don't mean go in the room to beat people up. I mean just go in there and experience it. It's amazing. It's so, well, we have to be able to say, you know what? I want you to say this with me. Ready? On three, we're going to say, I'm gifted. One, two, three. I am. There you go. If we could get anything out of today, I want you to understand that you are gifted. Now, what are we gifted with? See, God has given us this endowment, this gift, this piece that he's used for, for his purpose, what he wants, what he's deemed as he wants to see accomplished. And here's what I believe a lot of this gifting comes to. In Scripture, you get to read a lot about how Paul wrote, um, and it, it was in, uh, if you want to write these down, you can go look at them later. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to, 2, 1 to 12. Romans, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 12. And it lists out a list of spiritual gifts. Uh, Romans 12, 3 to 8, another list of spiritual gifts. And even in Ephesians 4, 11, we'll get there, are some of uh, uh, these, these lists of spiritual gifts that are given. I believe this endowment that God has given us goes deeper than those, just those gifts. Because here's what I believe about Brooke and Andy's story. As painful as it was for them to walk through the lifestyle and walk through, for Brooke to walk through that lifestyle and for Brooke to experience all the things that it, she experienced, that was a gift from God. 
what's your experience and what you've walked through, what you're going through, what all, all, these, all the things that you're experiencing right now in life or have experienced is a gift from God. And some of you are looking at me like, you're out of your mind, Chad. I don't see it as a gift of God. You know what? We need to make a perspective change on it and say, you know what? I got to walk through this or I walked through this or I chose to walk through it. Why? It was a gift from God because he wants to use it for his glory. See, God doesn't let anything go to waste. He doesn't let anything fall to the wayside. And so even though we put ourselves in certain situations by our own choices and by our own things, when we look at it as, wait, this is a gift that I went through, that I experienced, that I had in life. Why? So that I can take this gift and use it for his purpose and what he endowed it to me to be. And we all have a sin story. Every one of us. We've all been trapped in sin. And it's because of Jesus that we were able to break free from it. And so there's this, I believe that a lot of times in our, this gift includes something from our, not only the spiritual gifts as you read through the, the scriptures, you see those, but I think that a lot of our, the gift that he has for us is our story. I can look at my story and I can share with you over and over again how God uses my story that has made me the man I am today, the pastor I am today, the father I am today, the husband I am today, the friend that I am today, and it, all of it is from the, the, the past that has led me to where I am today and it was a gift. Sometimes I didn't like the gift, I'll be completely honest. I wasn't pumped about the gift. Sometimes the gift was painful, but it was still given to me and allowed for me to experience it. Why? Because it was an endowment to be used for his purposes. So let's look. So the spiritual gifts we receive, one, the experiences that we go through, the choices that we make. The third thing is this. He gives us a passion within us. He points us in this place that he says, I want you to care about this. I want you to be passionate about this. And I'm not talking about the passion that ends or that comes and goes because you had bad pizza. I'm talking about the passion that does not leave. Like you wake up in the middle of the night with it and it's on your mind. I'm talking about the ones where you're driving in the car and, and you zone out and you ignore your wife because you're brought to this point of caring or thinking about this particular thing, this passion that he has in your life. And I'm not saying, man, it's okay to ignore our wives. Don't go home and say, Chad said I can ignore you. Um, I didn't say that. I'm just saying that's the tendency in which we go, that we start to care more about this particular piece because there's a passion within us that he's placed there, and that is a gift. An endowment. See, I need to know that I'm gifted. And I'm gifted with passion. I'm gifted with experiences past and present. I'm gifted with from the Holy Spirit of Him giving me spiritual gifts. And all of it is because of the measure of Christ's gift. And according to Him. The second thing I need to know is I need to know who the gift giver is. I need to know who the gift giver is. In verses 8 to 10, it says this. <clears throat> Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. 
In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended in lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. See, we have a, God, a gift giver that is not limited by us. It's not limited by my experience. It's not limited by my passions. It's not limited by my pain. It's not limited by anything anybody else says about me or says to me. We have a gift giver that not only did he come out of heaven and into this earth and live a life, but he also left this earth to go and he went to claim his rightful place in the throne. See, he went above and beyond. He went below. He went up high. He covers it all. He made it all. And through him, all things exist. See, our gift giver is not limited. And so many times we excuse the fact or we make an excuse for why we can't live out what he's called us to live out. And so we put a limit on what he says and says, and we say this. What will people say if I share my story with them? Will they reject me? One of the biggest things that Brooke shared with me is she's been through churches that have constantly rejected her. Constantly pushed her away. And I told her, I said, at a light point, that won't happen. Not going to happen. We'll be a church that loves people. We'll be a church that loves people by meeting them where they're at. By speaking truth as well. See, we, we put these limits on our gift giver. And we use the excuses of this world and we say, well, what about this and what about that? And we, we start to, to, to start to doubt him. And we start to allow these excuses to keep us down rather than say, you know what? I'm just going to follow. I'm just going to recognize who the gift giver is and not put a limit on him. Because he's the one that came here and he's the one that went there and he's the one that covers it all and he's the one that gives it all. He's not limited by us. Can I just share something with you guys real quick? Something I thought was interesting. I want us to be prepared for this when we step out and, and we start utilizing our gifts and we start doing what God's called us to do. Here's my promise to you. There's one thing Satan does not want to happen is for us to use our gifts and for us to make an impact in this world. And here's what I promise you. The minute you step out in faith and you start doing something, something will happen at that right moment that will discourage you, that will keep you from doing it. Guarantee it. Anytime Julie and I have ever stepped out, and I've shared this story before, we were having church in our home. We were having church in our home, and we were having our floors redone. And right as we were having our floors redone, they butchered them. And we're walking in, and there you had lines, all this. Now, you don't know, Julie, my wife is a wonderful lady, but she likes things the way she likes them. Love her to death. And years ago, if you would have said that we would have had church in our home with our, our dining room table in my office and with the couches everywhere else and a bare floor and all this, and my kids were eating breakfast that morning on a plastic picnic table that you put together because everything had been cleared out and it looked like a vacant home. Y'all remember this? Vacant. And the wonderful thing about it is, is that that moment I looked at Julia and said, you okay? She's like, yep, let's go. 
right at the, 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 something is going to happen. I promise you. Do not let that limit what God's going to do. Do not let that hold you back from what God is going to do in your life and by using your gift because you will come up with every excuse why you don't show up. You'll come up with every excuse why you don't step out. You'll come up with every excuse why something shouldn't happen, why you shouldn't be obedient. And the one thing I'll say is this, is get rid of the excuses and just start trusting because we have a limitless God who went here and went there and he's given us a gift. And he's not limited by anything. So we need to know the gift giver. The third thing, and as we walk through this today, is I need to understand, not only I need to know who, I need to know that I'm gifted, I need to know the gift giver, but I also need to utilize my gift. I need to utilize my gift. The verses 11 to 13 says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, he gave specific tasks to, to some people. He said, I, I, I'm going to appoint some as apostles. And to me, the apostles were the original 12 that were called by Jesus and met Jesus. And you can throw Paul in there because he met him face to face. He has pro- he had anointed some prophets and he had some prophets that went in and spoke the truth. But then we get into today's day and age and here's what I believe is this. Is that he has appointed some people and gifted some people. And he said this is I want your main thing to be about evangelism. And what does that mean? I want you to share the good news of how Jesus changed your life with people. I want you to go share the good news about how Jesus came, he died, and he rose again. And because he came, he died, and he rose again, your life can be changed and you can be reconciled to the Father because of the good news. And so he appointed some to be evangelists, to go and spread the good news. The second piece he said is the next piece he, he talked about is this, those to be shepherds and teachers. And in scripture, we can put those together and we can say that as a shepherd, you need to be able to teach and you need to be able to teach people. As shepherds, you need to be able to care for people. As shepherds, you need to be able to care for your flock and, and that they mean something to you, that they're just not something, someone to be used for your to benefit, but they are people that God has placed into your hands, into your ministry, that you care for them, that you love them, that you see them multiply, that you see them grow, that you see that there's something beautiful about this because he's not separating. He's putting it together saying they're shepherds and teachers. In other words you're going to feed your flock by what you teach and he appointed some to do that why did he do all this because and he said this is there's a higher calling on these particular these gifts that people are given there's a higher there's you're held to a higher piece that you have to know that what you do makes an impact I've shared this before in the last couple weeks I'm in Jeremiah in my quiet times and one of the things that I'm learning in Jeremiah is that God has put such a heavy weight on shepherds that he gets so ticked off at them when they are responsible for scattering his flock. What does that mean? 
He, gets so, he was so angry with the shepherds. Why? Because when he talked about shepherds, he's talking about those that led his people spiritually. And what would happen is when they led them astray to other gods or led them to something that was not of him, he would get so upset because they would be serving other gods. They would be worshiping other gods. He would get so mad at them because they were scattered from what he wanted them to be. And so as a shepherd, as a teacher, as, one, as that particular piece, there is a higher piece that says, listen, you're responsible for these people and guiding them where I would have them go. And then Jeremiah gets so upset with them and he says, you're going to pay for this. And so there's this piece that we have to look at when we're in that role and we're guiding people and we're shepherding them that I need to care more about them than I do about myself. That I need to care more about their growth. That I need to be about teaching them and feeding them. I need to be about loving them and, and, and caring for them. There's a piece of that. Why? See, when we're out sharing the good news of how Jesus changed my life, and as a church, when we're doing what he's called us to do, living in unity, and people see that, and because of the way we love one another, people will know who we belong to, and it becomes attractive and then people hear about the good news of people and they come to a place where, where, where they're loved and they're cared for and they're taught and they're fed. And so what happens is this, is that ministries start to happen. Things start to take place where kids are loved on, where people are loved on, where, where homes are, are, are cleaned up and all these other things. These, these things start to happen. And the role of these roles is to equip people, to help make these things happen. See, my job is not to do Brooke and Andy's ministry. My job is to see how I can help equip them, how I can love them, how I can support them, what I can do in that role. You may have a particular thing that you're passionate about that you love to do. And so here's what I would say is if you're passionate or there's something that God has placed on your heart, come share it with us. And our role as a church is to figure out how do we love and equip not to do it all. One of my favorite things I heard from a guy named Dave Ramsey, and he shared this with me. You don't know who Dave Ramsey is. He's great. Go listen to him. One of the things he says is he used to complain about his church a lot to the pastor. And he had all these ideas. He'd come in, and if you don't know Dave Ramsey, he's a type A personality, so he had a lot of great ideas. And he would go to the pastor, and he would say, hey, there's an issue here. Guess what his pastor said? I love this. His pastor would look at him and say, tag, you're it. So come to me with something. Come to me with all you want. Tag, you're it. Here's the hardest thing for us to understand is that sometimes my conviction, my passion, my gifts are not everyone else's. But what the role of the church is is this, is to build you up, to equip you, and to help you fulfill what God has given you. So we have a lot of issues, and I get it. And if you want to care and you want to share and things that we should be doing, awesome. Come talk to me. But tag, you're it. See, I need to utilize my gifts. Notice I didn't say I, that, that leadership needs to utilize your gifts, but you need to utilize them. You need to, to, to be a, a part of this, a part of what's going on. 
says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. See what, see what we fail to realize is this, is that there's power when the body of Christ comes together and starts utilizing their gifts and what they've been given, their passions and all these pieces of experiences and their spiritual gifts. There's so, much, there's so much in that that when you're not utilizing what God has given you, that there's something that goes wrong. He goes on to say this, until... We'll get to that. All right, so here we go. So this whole idea that there's a weight in it, and as I utilize it, we attain unity. In other words, as you do your part, I do my part. There's a unity that happens. When you do your part, I do my part. Then we start to come to true knowledge of the Son of God. When you do your part, I do my part, and we all pitch in. There's a mature piece that takes place. We grow in maturity. And the, the piece that we grow into is it says this, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The more you do your part, I do my part, the more we look like Jesus. And when someone says and puts a limit on God and says, I can't be a part of this, we limit that. And Christ wants us to bring it together and you do your part, I do my part. And watch what happens. And we live in that. Lastly, not only do I, I need to know that I'm gifted, I need to know the gift giver, and I need to know that I need to utilize my gift. Here's what I need you guys to understand is the way God has gifted you matters. Your gift matters. It goes on in verses 14 to 16 to say this, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. If you, if you look at this, this, this passage we just read, we live in a world right now that is being told that the way you feel today should be able to dictate who you are. One of, one of the areas that, one of the teams that I work on in the mental health field is a DBT team. And it deals with high-risk suicide and high-risk self-harm. And one of the biggest populations that we deal with, not only, that's not the only one, but one of the biggest populations we deal with is the LGBTQ community. And in this piece, they have given over, they have made their feelings their God. And they say, I feel like this is right. I feel like this is okay. I feel like I should be this. Now, let me understand. If you're in this thing, in this place right now where you are struggling in this area, you're in a church that loves you. You're in a church that will meet you right where you're at. But I'll also tell you this there's a truth that you need to hear. And when you come to see meet Jesus face to face, he is going to change your life. And he's gonna break you free from that bondage and set you on a new track, a new life that is walking side by side with him. See, in our world today, I want you to understand, in our world today, we have children that are being tossed and, and, and tossed tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. They're being told something that is not true. They're being tossed through back and forth. And they don't know which way's right and which way's wrong. Keep going, ready? 
by human cunning. In other words, they're coming at it as this. There's a human aspect of it where it's our mind, it's our feelings, it's my truth that drives it rather than God's truth. See, we have to get to a point where it's no matter. My truth does not matter. And I know that's hard for some people to understand and some people to get. But my truth does not matter. Do you know whose truth matters? God's truth. Straight from his word. I don't get to dictate his truth. That's not my place. So it goes on, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And see, this is not just in this particular community. It is spread, widespread in a lot of our communities. So let's, let's not just hone in on that community, okay? It's not just with them. It's in every aspect of our society. Do you know how many uh, premarital counseling sessions that I do where I sit with a couple and they say, this is my trial marriage. And I, and I say, this is your trial. Look, we laugh, but there's pain there. there there's, some, there's a disconnect there. The other one I get is, is, is and, and, I'm, and I do, I'm not bashing these people. I want us to get to this place where I just want us to see that, that the way we think, the way we go back is not in line with what Scripture is saying. And that's why we're being tossed to and fro. That's why there's so much of this disconnect. That's why there's so much hurt and so much pain. See, when we get away from God's design from things, when we get away from the way God wants it, then there's going to be pain. There's going to be hurt. There's going to be a disconnect. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could, doesn't matter if it's, if it's a certain person saying, oh, this is my trial marriage or this is how I feel today or this is who I, I, I believe I am. Or, no, here's the problem. When I step out of God's design, I'm going to experience hurt. I'm going to be deceived. I'm going to get off track of what he wants, and it's just not in the one place that we're going to point a finger at and say, that's where the problem is. The problem is not that. The problem is sin, and the problem is, is that sin runs rampant in our world, and it's a sin problem, and God's got the answer. His name is Jesus, and all our role is is to introduce people to Jesus. And allow Jesus to change their life. He does it through the way we meet them. And he does it through the way we speak truth in them. But he does it also in the way we walk with them. Can't walk with somebody if I push them out here. I need to understand that my gift matters. And he goes on to this. He says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working, let us understand this, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds up in love. When I live out my, my gift and my walk, and I walk in, the, in my power, and I walk in my gift, it has power to bring about something specific. 
See, when I walk about, do my part, when I do what God has called me to do, when I realize that what he's given me, the gifts that he's given me, the role that he's given me, the peace that he's given me to walk out, when I do that, there's something that happens. Things start working the right way. When I step out of that peace, things don't work the right way. When someone doesn't want to do their part, things aren't working the way they should do work. See, my gift matters so much so that in order for things to work properly in God's kingdom and in God's body and our church body, we all have to realize that my gift matters and I need to use it for his glory. Today, as we we wrap up, here's what I need to know about getting in the game. That I've been endowed with a gift. I've been given a gift that is to be used for a specific purpose. Not for something that I wanted to use it for, but for what the one who gave it to me wants it used for. So I need to accept the gift. I need to know who my gift giver is. I need to utilize my gift. And I need to know no matter what that my gift matters. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and praise you. And we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, in our hearts that we would realize how much you love us and how much you want to meet us. Lord, that no matter what the lie is, that no matter what the deception is, Father, um, that is not of you. And Lord, it's not about attacking a person. It's not about attacking a people group. But Father, it's about walking with you. It's about loving you, and it's about loving those you put into our, in our, our lives, meeting them right where they're at, being the love, the, the love of Jesus that you've called us to be, speaking truth and love, rather than pushing away or speaking hate. God, we love you and praise you and ask, Lord, that you would give us the power to live out what you've called us to do. Lord, thank you for allowing us to hear Brooke and Annie's story of how they're doing exactly what you've told them to do by the gifts that you've given them, by that which has been endowed to them for the specific person, purpose of reaching one life at a time for your glory. Lord, may we as a church realize that what we have been given is powerful. And Lord, what we've been given needs to be utilized for your glory and that we need to be a part of what you have given us. May we respond to that peace and may we not hold back. But may we pursue with passion those things you've given us. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So here's our response time. The band's gonna play one song and there's, there's the communion table and you guys can take communion and, and there's the offering bins back there and if you have a gift you wanna give to Light Point Church, I encourage you, as, as God has gifted you with resources that as a church we believe in giving back. So you have an opportunity to do that. But here's one of my prayers. I'm gonna let as they play and I know it's getting late. But I want you to take some time and say, God, what is it you've gifted me with? What's my endowment? And how do you want me to use this? And so if you're bumped or challenged in any way on your card, your, your card that you've been given, this one right here, write your name and what you're wrestling with. Let us know about it. Because our church only proper, or only works properly when we're each doing what we've been gifted to do. You respond how God leads. Let's stand and sing.